thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. And we've got a great show lined up for you folks today. Today we're talking to the welterweight Bilal Muhammad about his impressive UFC win streak and why maybe it's not getting the hype that it deserves. Plus, we're going to take you around the league with all the news of this past week, including Ally Aquinta's incredible win over Kevin Lee, making it 2-0 on his career against Kevin Lee, something I don't think a lot of us expected. Plus, we'll cap off the episode with another of our famed combat countdowns this week. We're going to be looking at fighters who we wish fought maybe a little bit more often. That's right. We're going to do our top five fighters who we wish were a little more active. But before we get to any of that, I need to let you know that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK is a family-owned business in the Adirondack Mountains of New York, so you're doing a good thing by supporting a family-owned business. And plus, they have high-quality jiu-jitsu gear that does not break the bank. I have their arm bars and stripes rash guard. It's an awesome rash guard. It's got the American flag on it, only it's got jiu-jitsu belts for the stripes. Really cool-looking rash guard. I've worn it for hundreds of rolls and hundreds of washes, and it still looks like the day I bought it. The colors are bright, all the threads intact, no pilling, nothing. Plus... Since I used our promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, which I can do, I can do just like all of you at home can do, I got the rash guard for just 20 bucks. That's right, 20 bucks for a high quality rash guard, it's an insane price for any rash guard, never mind one this nice. So check them out at ADKFightWear.com and make sure to use that promo code FLOW. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby, reeling with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Bilal Muhammad, who fights Jeff Neal at UFC on ESPN Plus One, January 19th in Brooklyn. So Bilal, uh, let's talk, start by talking, we recently saw on social media you were doing some training with fellow Palestinian fighter Abdul Karim El Sawadi, who's the champ at uh, Brave CF. What, what sort of brought that training apart? Because I know, you know you're not from the same camp. Yeah, yeah, we're not from the same camp, but we're both from Palestine. We both uh, represent in the Middle East, represent Palestine, so we both represent our uh, uh, our country on there. And uh, we just met each other through social media, just through that. Like, MMA brought us together. And uh, he was visiting down in Chicago, um, doing some, like, interviews and stuff down here. So we ended up just connecting and uh, getting a good workout. And he's a really good guy. That was, like, my first time, like, meeting him actually in person. But, like, we always talked to, like, social media, always supported each other. So it was uh, cool finally getting to meet him and uh, seeing who he is actually in person. Yeah, that's absolutely cool, and it's cool that social media brought you guys together. So uh, what what sort of was it that you guys uh, talked about? What, was it mostly training? Was it mostly fighting? Did you guys talk a lot about, uh, you know, where you're from, obviously? Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we connected on everything. Uh, we talked about basically everything. It was kind of like a, kind of like a first date type thing. <laughs> we, you know, asking each other questions about everything like that, but it was cool, man. Uh, he's a good kid. Uh, we just talked about like how we train and what we like to train more. Uh, he just finished. He just uh, won that title probably like uh, two weeks before that. So I was just asking him what he's been eating because I'm in camp uh, dieting and he's out here just uh, eating whatever he wants. So it's just cool. That, that's awesome. So and and obviously, like you said, you know, you, you mentioned he's just a kid. He's only 23 years old. Just picked up his first world title. He's nine and one. Did you have any advice for him as far as that kind of stuff goes? Yeah, man. Of course. Uh, I just told him to don't try to rush anything. Because he's a monster right now. He's a beast. And uh, Brave is treating him really well. And, uh, like, he's a smart kid. So he's not one of those guys like, oh, uh, uh, I need to go straight to the UFC or anything like that. 
uh, the company is treating him really well right now. So he said he wants to like defend his title uh, some more, and uh, he wants to. Uh, they've, they've been treating him really good, so he's like, I don't want to just leave or anything like that. But like, he's good enough to be in the UFC and fight with top guys already, I think. But uh, he's just doing it the smart way, I think, and he's uh, <clears throat> just taking his time. Like you said, he's super young, and uh, he's hungry. You can tell he's just a hungry kid. So uh, I just like seeing people like that, man. I like being around people that are motivated. Cause it motivates you when you see a kid that young and you see how hungry he is and he just won his world title i'm like dang i need to get up uh get up there right now yeah and that's awesome too and it, it's good to hear uh you know people brought together through mma and obviously uh you know you being able to mentor him let's let's talk a little bit about you now i don't want to you know keep the whole focus on him you had to pull out that's of your cool. you, <laughs> you had to pull out of your last fight with uh elijah zaleski dos santos it, it was the first time you've ever pulled out of a fight due to an injury how did you sort of deal with that that mentally? Man, it was honestly like one of the worst things I ever did. Cause it, like it's one of those where I'm I'm one of those guys where I'll fight injured. I'll fight like yeah, I've gone into fights injured. I, I fought Tim Means with a torn meniscus. I, I I've gone through bad times in fights, and uh, it was one of those where when I got hurt, it was, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna take off two weeks and see if it, if you have recovered. I'll still fight. I don't need a I don't need to train for these two weeks. I'll just relax and two weeks stuff, and it's still like hurting. So like, I was literally about to like cry when I was like calling my manager, telling him, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to pull out. And he's like, that's the thing about Ali. Like he's a uh, he doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about uh, fame or anything like that. He cares about you. So he was like, I was like, I think I can do it. I, but I just need to keep standing up with them. He's like, no, you're not standing up. We're not fighting. We're not fighting injured. Are you stupid? And I was like, all right, like it's good to have somebody like that around you now. Like before, uh, like it would be, oh, you want to? Uh, I'd say, yeah, I want to fight. All right, yeah, you'll fight. And then he's the type that'll be like, no, you don't look right. You're not fighting injured. So uh, he's like kind of like a father figure type thing. Well, that's certainly awesome too. In 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 the past, have you had managers who were just less involved or more willing to let you fight injured? Like managers that wouldn't care about anything. Like Ali's the type. How you feeling? Call your house camp going. Making sure you're all right. Making sure camp's going right. Make sure you have everything you need. Like other managers are like, oh, uh, hey, I got this fight for you. Six weeks, four weeks. Uh, you want it? Yes or no? And then I'm always going to say yeah because I'm a fighter. So, and then that'll be it. So, uh, then the next time I'll talk to them is when they're collecting their check. So, yeah, obviously the, the hands-on approach is, is clearly much better here. Now, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the injury itself because there wasn't a lot of information there about the injury, and maybe, you know, you're not necessarily looking to divulge everything, but are you all recovered physically? Does everything feel like it was before? Was, was it a big injury? Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was like a, uh, a little injury, but, uh, like, nothing huge. But, uh, yeah, I feel 100% better now. It was one of those uh, I had to take off probably, like, four weeks of training. And uh, just recover. I recovered with Don uh, at the UFCPI with uh, Heather Linden, and she like got me back to 100. percent And uh, they helped me a lot up down there, so uh, I'm feeling 100 percent now, ready to go, and uh, hoping to have like a big, uh, big 2019. Man, I'm fighting in January, so maybe if I get one fight a month, I'll get 12 fights in that year. <laughs> well, that's certainly ambitious, but uh, let, let's talk about that fight in January. Now, I, I know you, you liked the matchup with Dos Santos because he's a guy who just goes in there and throws. He's certainly never a boring fight. Was that sort of the, the thought with accepting a fight with Jeff Neal, too? Because, I mean, you're on a four-fight win streak. He's a relatively new name. You know, you almost maybe expected a slightly bigger name for you. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm always, expect, I'm always trying to move up in the, in the rankings, but, like, it's one of those where... Uh, I know he comes to fight, 
and uh, I just like the I like uh, I like going against guys like that uh, that are trying to fight. I mean, like that with the whole ranking system nowadays, man, it, it gives guys reasons not to fight. Guys are like, oh, he's not ranked, I'm not fighting him. He's not ranked, I'm not fighting. Him. In the old UFC days, if you're on a win streak, you're fighting somebody else on a win streak, a big win streak. I'm on a four fight win streak. I'm fighting top guys no matter what. Guys with big names because those guys those guys want to fight. Now with the rankings, it's, now it's guys sitting there. Oh no, I'm not fighting until I fight somebody higher ranked than me or anything like that. I'm not the type of guy, man. I don't care if I'm ranked or not ranked. I just want to fight. That that's guys, an that's an interesting take too, because you're basically saying that the the ranking system is sort of screwed up a lot of matchups. Do you wish there was maybe no ranking system and, and just we went based on sort of the old school feel uh, way of matchmaking? Yeah, man, exactly. I love the old school way, man. This is this new way giving giving guys reasons to say no. Matchmakers are probably they're, they're probably more pissed by it too because they have to sit there and like you got Kobe Covington who's probably been out for like a year. Just wait in there. Like, if there was no ranking system, he wouldn't be ranked number two. He'll be like, oh, I'm on a five-fight win streak or whatever. And then Usman can say, oh, I'm on a nine-fight win streak, so I deserve the title fight more than you. Mm-hmm. So it would be it would be more Usman would be the number one ranked guy over uh, Kobe right now yeah. if it was the old way, if you're thinking about it that way. Or them two would have to fight that thing since Woodley's injured. But mm-hmm. nowadays, these guys are like, oh, I'm not waiting out. Uh, he's not ranked. He's not even ranked. Why would I fight him? I'm on a four-fight win streak, dude. You want to fight or not? Absolutely, and, and and that four fight win streak has come against some some pretty impressive names. I, I wanted to ask you, obviously, not looking past Jeff Neal, who is a hell of a talent, but with a win here, you obviously want to be moving up those those rankings. We try not to look at. Is there a name or a person you're you're particularly looking for after this one? Oh, uh, right now I'm mostly just concentrating on uh, Jeff. I don't want to look past him. I got some uh, other names in my head that I thought I'd be calling out on the mic, hopefully, but uh. Yeah, man, I'm I'm always looking. I'm looking at everybody. I watch everybody. When you got guys, fighters saying, "Oh, who is that guy?" I don't watch him. You watch him. If it's in your division, you're watching. If you're not watching him, then you're dumb. I'm sitting there paying attention to every single person in the division, whether they're ranked or not ranked, because you don't know when you have to fight them, and it, anything could happen. Some your opponent could get hurt, and somebody could pop up, put in a replacement right away. So I'm paying attention to everybody in the division. I got my eyes on a lot of guys. Okay, so uh, one last question here before we let you go. Obviously, we, we want to just get a, a quick insight into how your training camp's going. I know you got a ton of guys up there in Rufus Sport who fought either this past weekend or have fights soon coming up. Uh, how's the fight camp been going, and, and how ready are you for this fight right now? Man, it's going great. I've been, I've been ready for this fight. Uh, every, we just had a bunch of guys fighting this weekend, so it was perfect that we had uh, other guys in camp because it would just make everybody more motivated. And then uh, now I got another group of guys getting ready for their fights. Paul Fowler is back in the gym. He's getting ready for his fight. So uh, everybody's looking perfect right now, and uh, it's a motivated room. And uh, yesterday wasn't our night, but <clears throat> but it's the team. Like, we win as a team, we lose as a team. So it's only going to motivate me more, and it's going to only motivate the guys more because every single one of those guys probably be back in the gym tomorrow. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to you getting Rufus Sport back on the right track. Once again, Bilal Muhammad fights on ESPN Plus, on January 19th in Brooklyn. Thank you so much for the time, Bilal. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. And that interview with Bilal Muhammad was brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Men, let me talk to just the men listening for a second. I know we've got some ladies who listen to the show, but this ad is for the guys. Guys, are you sick of having your nuts crushed by briefs? I'm especially talking to those grapplers out there. I know that you think 
that Bree said the only way that you can get the support while you're doing physical activity that you need, but you're wrong. You're dead wrong. Check out sheathunderwear.com. They've got underwear that has an innovative front pocket that holds your marbles in place without restricting them. Instead, it allows them to breathe by promoting airflow. Plus, since it's antimicrobial and moisture wicking, not only is it supporting them, and keeping them cool, but it's also keeping your downstairs mix-up feeling fresh even when you aren't. So, if this sounds too good to be true, make sure you find out for yourself at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, to get 20% off your whole order. I, of course, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, let's talk about that comment about the ranking system. I'm, I'm pretty interested about this. Do you agree or disagree with Bilal Muhammad? You know what? You know what? I like where this Belial Muhammad's coming from. I really like the idea of everyone just fighting. Everyone not caring about, oh, this guy's ranked number six, but I'm number one. I should be fighting number two or maybe more realistic. This guy's ranked number 15. I'm ranked number six. I'm not going to fight him because I have nothing to gain from it. Screw that. Let's go old school. Let's get rid of the rankings. Everyone fights everyone, and let's lose the weight classes while we're at it. (laughs) I can feel that. But at the same time, at the same time, I do like the ranking system because I think it does make certain matchmaking a little more logical. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm used to it at this point, so it's sticking. But catch me on a Saturday night after a couple of beers, and I'm down to lose it. Yeah, I, I definitely see the argument to get rid of it, too. Especially, you know, you got to think of it from his shoes. He's a dude who's 4-0 and in his last four at welterweight, which is a competitive division, granted. But there are guys who've been hanging around in the top 15. I mean, like, fucking Carlos Condit was in the top 15 for how long? And he was, like, one for his last five. I mean, think about how many Cowboy Cerrone lost in a row and was still ranked. While this guy, while, while Bilal Muhammad sits here in a four-fight win streak, you know, like, not sniffing the top 15 for all we can tell. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely see where he's coming from. There are certain people who kind of get lost in the shuffle of the rankings, especially for inactivity. They could be world beaters, but you know what? If you're only fighting, let's say, averaging out once a year, you're not going to move up the, them rankings real quick. So, I, you know, I'm about it. I just hope someone like him just stays super active and, uh, and just gets after it. What can I say, you know? Yeah, me too. And, and you know, by the sounds of it, he's looking to have a pretty active 2019. And, uh, you know, obviously January is going to be the start to that. All right. Let's move on, Gumby, because the world of MMA never sleeps. And uh, there's some UFC news we should probably discuss. Am I wrong or am I right or am I wrong or am I right? Ah, you're right. I, I kind of wanted to talk first about uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Jeremy Stevens. Uh, you know, kind of a banger of a matchup there for a pay-per-view right around the corner, although we're not quite sure what's happening to the numbering of some of these pay-per-views, thanks to uh, a little bit of other news we'll touch upon. But who do you like in that matchup, and uh, what do you think about how quickly Zabit is being moved towards the top ten? Yeah, I like it. I mean, so just to be clear this is rumored for ufc 235 which might be ufc 234 but we'll get to that in another (laughs) second uh and that's going to take place in march and it's much like with israel idesanya um not at that level uh you know what actually it is kind of that level it's when it idesanya fought brunson uh it was that step up to that perennial top 10 guy 
And that's now what they're doing with Zabit for Jeremy Stevens. So he's not at that Anderson Silva legend level yet, but Jeremy Stevens is as tough as they come, and he's a name that's been around the division forever. So if Zabit wins this, uh, you know, you get into that Frankie Edgar territory, mm-hmm. or maybe you get into even uh, just recent title challenger Brian Ortega territory. Or if he knocks out uh, Jeremy Stevens in stunning fashion, let's say, or subs him in the first round, you might even be getting into Max Holloway territory. Yeah, and I, I actually think it might be a step higher than Israel Adesanya versus Derek Brunson. Look, Jeremy Stevens is a guy who we've talked about getting a title shot time and time again due to some fucking killer runs he's had, right? Like, his recent run uh, in that division was was nothing short of... of almost title worthy until he got uh finished so you know like i i think that this might be a bigger step up because did you ever talk about Derek brunson as if he was going to get a title shot no definitely not yeah so i i actually think for those reasons i actually think jeremy stevens might be a bigger step up for zabit but then again zabit uh he seems to have had the aura around him as if uh you know like he's the real deal for a while Whereas Israel Adesanya, I feel like we kept writing off like, well, we don't know about his wrestling. Like, we know about what Zabit does. We know everything about what Zabit does, and we're not scared about anything that Zabit does. So I I guess maybe it makes sense for him to be a bigger jump because we have less question marks. Well, speaking of question marks, let's get to the news that UFC 233 has been postponed. Uh, it's going to hurt my head to even explain this, but here it goes. <laughs> uh, UFC 233 was scheduled for Anaheim on January 26th, but with the ESPN debut uh, right there at the same time and a title fight not really coming uh, into the picture for 233 because they had to move Cejudo versus Dillashaw to that ESPN debut. ESPN pays them the most cheddar. They have to serve that master. That's scheduled for January 19th in Barclays. Hell of a fight card there, too. But the bottom line is UFC 233 has not been canceled. They're calling it postponed. Now, here's the problem with this and where the math is going to hurt your head. UFC 234 is just two weeks later on February 10th. <laughs> That's taking place uh, in uh, in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that's Melbourne. Whitaker. Yeah. yeah, Melbourne. And that's Whitaker versus Gaston. Hell of a fight there. You also have Ida Sonia versus Anderson Silva. Super exciting. So if 233 is postponed, but 234 is happening two <laughs> weeks later, and 233 happens after 234, then doesn't 234 become 233 and 233 become 234, or even 235, depending on when 233 takes place. <laughs> so you're really in like a Back to the Future 2 alternate timeline, Doc Brown, my head is spinning mode. What do you make of this news? So I, I want to first address the fact that the news was, uh, you know, it, it comes with the question mark of are they afraid to go head-to-head with Bellator with Fedor on the same night. And I think some of it is that, but also some of it seems to be, and we've talked about this time and time again on this podcast, is that we don't believe that they're going to run a pay-per-view without a title fight at the head of it ever again. At least I don't believe they'll ever do it again. I think they've done some sort of market research. They found out that the only way that you're going to get casual fans interested in in buying a pay-per-view and getting your numbers up is by having a title fight at the head of it. So I think that's always going to happen. I think they looked at their choices for title fights, and there were so few there that they just had to cut their losses. 
And I don't think it's a bad idea. As far as the naming stuff goes, it is nuts. Yeah, it's it's absolutely maddening. Now, what I don't want to be taken away from all this is the now postponed 233 had so many great fights on it. I mean, Askren and Lawler, that's going to get moved somewhere else. Not sure as of taping. The week before on that ESPN debut card, you have Paige Van Zant versus Rachel Ostevich. Uh, Glover Teixeira coming back against Ian Kutaleba, who's really become like an up-and-coming star. And then Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw. Uh, Balil Muhammad, who we spoke to today, against Jeff Neal. Donald Cerrone versus Alexander Hernandez, who I had to actually look up to remind myself who he was. But hey, it's still a Donald Cerrone fight and Joanne Calderwood fighting. I mean, uh, you know, the ESPN debut show was loaded. 233 was loaded just without that, like, absolute headliner. So I guess fans are still going to reap the benefits of all this. We just don't really know when all these fights are going to be rescheduled. Yeah, and I, I, exactly. You're, you're going to see almost probably 100% of these fights. So I, I wouldn't worry so much about the fighters or, or the fights that you might potentially miss out on because all that's happening is you're probably saving the money you were going to spend on the pay-per-view anyway. Yeah, totally. So let's also talk about this uh, because we would be remiss not to mention it. Uh, Ally Aquinta this past <laughs> weekend really put on a hell of a performance. He was the betting underdog against our boy and friend of the show, Kevin Lee. Uh, I gave Aquinta rounds four and five for sure. I thought Lee did enough in two and three, and I'd really have to go back and watch one, but the bottom line is, Judges gave Iaquinta three out of the five rounds. And, uh, you know, it, it goes without saying, Iaquinta has some of the craziest and best submission defense. When Kevin Lee took his back, I thought it was going to be a wrap, and it wasn't. Iaquinta lived to fight another day, and as the fight wore on, much like the fight against Habib, his striking still looked very good in round four and five. I think Iaquinta is better suited for 155 than Kevin Lee is. It's been said before, we all know Kevin Lee's probably better at a 165. Uh, but what did you make of things, and what a, just what a, what a fight. Yeah, I, I was absolutely shocked by Al Iaquinta. I think he's one of those guys that, uh, because he's a little bit inactive, and we're going to talk about some inactive fighters in a little bit, because he's so inactive, we sometimes forget about how fucking good he is, because he went out there and showed us time and time again that his like striking seems to not fatigue at any point in time in the fight, which is just insane. Um, so, you know, between that and I also want to mention, you mentioned he was a betting underdog. He was not just a betting underdog. He was a plus fucking 300 betting underdog, which is just absolutely insane when you consider how big of a difference that is for a guy who won the first fight against Kevin Lee. And I bet you when he still came in on Kevin Lee because everybody was drinking the Kevin Lee Kool-Aid. They absolutely were. And I think I, I really like what you said about how his striking holds up late. I think one, uh, his body type is really perfect for 155. He's not someone who looks like he gets super drained out cutting down there. Mm. Uh, I think he has great striking being with uh, Ray Longo. I think he has great submissions being with um, Matt Serra. He's really a criminally underrated fighter, and I'm looking forward to see where he goes next. You know, could it be a Dustin Poirier? Could it be a Nate Diaz? Could you even give him a rematch with Habib just to see that again? Um, there are a lot of fights there that I actually want to see. 155 is super exciting right now. As far as Kevin Lee, what do you do for him? Where does he go from here? 
Uh, you know, I'd like to see him go to 170. I know everybody keeps talking about this 165 division. I don't think the extra five pounds is going to make or break him when it comes time to go to 170. And I think there are actually a lot of good matchups for him stylistically there. I mean, like, RDA has proven two fights in a row that a power wrestler is probably going to beat him up over three rounds. And I think that's that's a tailor-made matchup for Kevin Lee to test him out on whether or not 170 is a good spot for him. So I'm going to say I'd like to see him at 170 against RDA. Okay, I really like that. I really like that. Well, you mentioned, you know, previously Iaquinta was a little inactive. He was getting his real estate license. He was kind of on the outs of the UFC. He's fought now twice in the past six months, so we like what we're seeing out of him. Hopefully we see him two to three times in uh, 2019, excuse me. Uh, two, I, I say, was probably realistic, which is great. But we wanted to do our combat countdown this week. On our top five fighters, we just wish were more active. Uh, you know, and that comes off what we were talking about with Malil Muhammad at the top of the show, obviously. So, Gumby, uh, one, are you ready for this combat countdown? And two, does any great company bring the fans this combat countdown? Absolutely. This combat countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. For the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth, head to SISUGuard.com and check out what they got. I roll with my CSU mouthguard every single week when I head to my jiu-jitsu class. And I can tell you, honestly, I don't have to stick my dirty hand in my mouth to take my mouthguard out to say something to a training partner. It is absolutely incredible and one of the most hygienic and safe things I've seen out there. So get your own at SISUGuard.com. All right. I have a CSU mouth guard in right now as we're speaking. You will never see me at training without one in my mouth. I love my CSU mouth guard. Sometimes I keep it in at night just because I don't want to take it out. I'm just loving it so much and loving life with a CSU mouth guard in my mouth. It's the only way I live. Let's get to our combat countdown and we'll start as always. Uh, although actually sometimes we do start with our honorable mentions, but tonight we're just getting right into the list and let's go Gumby hit us up. Who's number five. So for number five, I'm going to go with Jorge Masvidal. Uh, You know, Jorge Masvidal is, like I said, one of those guys who's been kicking around in the top ten of welterweight who might be holding somebody like Bilal Muhammad out of the rankings. But if you look at his last few fights, which, by the way, you have to go all the way back to November 4th of 2017, he fought a close decision with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And just before that, he lost a split decision that one person had in his favor to Demian Maya, who was in the middle of that killer run that led him to a title shot. Um, and if you go before that, knocked out Cowboy Cerrone. So, like, if we're looking at a guy who deserves to be in the top 10 of welterweight, I just wish we could have seen him more than, you know, once in the last year, which we haven't seen him once in the last year. Well, and I have bad news for you because he's scheduled to face Nick Diaz, uh, which is rumored for UFC 235, which could be used UFC 234. Refer earlier to our show for that head scratcher. But, uh, you know, does a Diaz fight come through? Probably not. So we'll have to see where Masvidal ends up. But, you know, he, he was pretty active fighting three times a year for a few years. And now, you know, maybe at earliest we're seeing him in March. So it would be about a 16, 17th month layoff for him and someone whose career was kind of peaking despite what you mentioned about the split decision loss to Maya and then the Wonder Boy fight. Um, you know, maybe a, a fight in 2018 really would have done the body good for him and helped him advance his career. Uh, we'll move now then to number four. Who you got? Uh, I'm going with at number four. We're going to go with 
it's funny you mentioned them, both the Diaz brothers. So it, it's kind of a cheat here at number four. But, you know, if you've seen a Diaz brother, you've seen both Diaz brothers. They pretty much fight with a pretty similar style here. And I, I miss seeing the style because, you know, what? It, it gives problems to a lot of fighters it shouldn't give problems to. And it winds up being easy on people who you feel like it shouldn't be easy on, right? Like, do you remember when, when Nate Diaz lost to Josh Thompson by head kick? It was one of the craziest mm-hmm. things you've ever seen. And then he turns around and he submits Conor McGregor, right? Or he knocks out Gray Maynard. Or, like, he had decisioned Cowboy Cerrone right around there. But meanwhile, Nate's the one we've seen most recently. And the last time we saw him, August 2016. August 2016, since the last time we've seen Nate Diaz. And as far as we can tell, none of this is injury-wise, which is probably the most frustrating part of it all. Yeah, I actually have to tell you, I mean, I am a Diaz Brothers fan from way back. Uh, and with Nate, I, I feel like he made a ton of money on the Connor fight, kind of gotten a thing with the UFC. Remember, Dana White famously said Nate doesn't move the needle, but he certainly did against Connor. And I feel like it's a lot of high-level negotiation. Nick also sometimes I think is like high-level negotiation with the UFC, trying to get exactly what he wants. But it's now going on just comedic levels. And the amount that people talk about Nick Diaz compared to the amount he actually fights is a very bad ratio. I'm actually a little sick of even talking about Nick uh, just because we haven't seen him since that Anderson Silva debacle back in, what was that, January of 2015, damned if I'm if not mistaken. Yeah, damned if I know. <laughs> yeah, so we're going on four years, but, you know, he gets talked about like he's a perennial top ten and, you know, he could come back at a moment's notice. And even with these Masvidal rumors, he's already going on record saying, no, it's not signed yet. It's just actually annoying at this point. So i rather not even talk about the Diaz brothers until I see them making that walk to the octagon. Let's move on. Who's number three? So for number three, I'm going to go with Dominic Cruz. And, and this is especially pertinent because if you look right now, Dominic Cruz is just fresh off a booking with John Lineker, which to me is so fucking exciting because I love John Lineker. The style matchup, it would have been so weird. And, you know, I would have favored Cruz. But all that said... Fight now canceled due to another Dominic Cruz injury. We have not seen him. At the end of this year, December 30th, it will have been two years since the last time we see Dominic Cruz fight. It was that loss to Cody Garbrand. But it's not just the fact that we haven't seen him recently. Also remember the fact that this dude was a champion, was inactive for so long that he gave up his belt, and then later fought for a vacated version of his own belt. Like, he fought once, he fought Takeya Mizugaki as not the champ, and then he had to, like, earn his title shot for a title he never lost. It's crazy that this guy's been gone for so long, and it's super disappointing. Yeah, I feel like with him, and he's he's a very good analyst, I do enjoy him. I also feel like sometimes he'll actually ego-check Rogan a little bit when they're both on commentary, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, But I feel like he set himself up. He'd probably make a great coach because he's like such a fi- uh, such a high fight IQ. Um, to me, I mean, you know, if we get one more Dominic Cruz fight out of him, that that's probably it, right? Like, how many more Dominic Cruz fights if you had to go to Vegas and place a bet on? Are we really going to see two at this point? Would be a stretch. I, I would probably um, bet the under on two. If I was in Vegas and that, that you were giving me even odds on over under two, I'm going under. 
All right. Well, speaking of two, who's number two? So for number two, this person's been a little bit more active than the other ones I'm going to mention, but I'm going to go with Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie has fought once in the last year. Uh, when it comes, but by, by January, he will have fought once in the last year. And when you look at his record in the UFC so far, the dude is fucking five and zero, five and zero in the UFC with four finishes, two TKOs, and two arm triangle chokes. In some of the most brutal wrestling I've seen. The problem is, is that he's been in the UFC since the middle of 2016. And we've only seen him that many times. And by January, which he's not booked for a fight in January, we will have seen him once. Uh, so that to me, that's just super disappointing. Because mostly, he's an up-and-comer here. And he's sort of already stated that he like isn't interested in staying active so he can go fishing. And we're sort of losing his up-and-comer because he's 31 years old at this point. He, we're, like, wasting those prime years. Yeah, I mean, so when was the last time we saw him was we when saw he him beat Vince Pichel? Yeah, in, in Utica. Yeah, and then before that, he hadn't fought since January. So, I mean, we, we did get two ex, uh, times of seeing him this time, but there is no sight in, in him getting booked again. And we're booked almost up through March, right? Like, we, we know most of the matchups through UFC 230, whatever it's called, in Melbourne. Got ya. All right, well, we'll move then. Give us numero uno. So, numero uno. And if, if you guys, and it's funny that you said numero uno, because if you did not know that this guy was going to be at the top of the list, you certainly don't watch enough MMA. Number one has got to be Cain Velasquez. In a division that so badly could use another killer like Cain Velasquez. We've been without him since UFC 200, right? One of the baddest dudes on the planet. Defended his title a whole bunch of times in a row. Defended it twice in a row, which is a ton for, for heavyweight. He he knocked out Junior Dos Santos, beat him two out of three times. You know, like, took it to Travis Brown when he finally did come back from his huge year-long layoff. And then followed that up with another two and a half year long layoff. Yeah, and I think doing WWE now or training for WWE, which is actually kind of interesting. Now there are rumors that he's coming back against Francis Naganu. I don't know that's necessarily been signed and official. Very exciting if true, but yeah, he is the definition of inactive. Him and Dominic Cruz. We wish he was in there more. Um, he's one of those guys that just goes 100% pedal to the metal all the time, gets injured a ton, but when he's healthy, you know, he's the best in the business. Hope to see him again in 2019, but again with him, how many more Cain Velasquez fights do we really have in us? Haven't seen him in over two years. If we got one in 2019, I'd be impressed. I, I don't even know if we could stretch two out of him. So, again, let's count this back down. Um, of course, hit us up on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. If you love our list, if you hate our list, we're accepting both love and hate feedback. Number five was Jorge Masvidal. Number four, the Diaz Bros. Number three, Dominic Cruz. Number two, Gregor Gillespie. And number one, Mr. Inactive himself, Cain Velasquez. Uh, Gumby, that about wraps things up on my end. Take us home. Where do we go from here? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening in. We also want to shoot a thank you to each and every one of our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and Sheath Underwear. Make sure you check out all three of those fine companies. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. And remind you guys to check us out on Twitter 
at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We got some great stuff going on there. We got contests. We got all kinds of fun trivia and other things. So you're going to want to check us out. Make sure to click that follow button and see what we've got going on. I was Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and you can catch us next week.